This is Evidence-Based GI, and I'm Philip Schoenfeld, Editor-in-Chief. Today, we'll be discussing the use of biosimilars to add alumimab for the treatment of Crohn's disease with Rahul Dalal of Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, and we'll be discussing his summary in the October 2023 issue of Evidence-Based GI, which is titled Biosimilar BI-695501 has similar safety and efficacy to adalimumab for the treatment of Crohn's disease, the Voltaire CD study. Now, this is part of our In Case You Missed It series on key randomized controlled trials from the past three years, and it summarizes an RCT published in Lancet Gastroenterology and Hepatology from 2021. So, Welcome back, Rahul. And let's just start by discussing why it's important for our listeners to understand the safety and efficacy of biosimilars when they're required for use in the treatment of inflammatory bowel disease. So with the rising cost of healthcare for patients with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's, there's increasing pressure from insurance companies to limit costs by substituting originator biologics with biosimilars, and this is felt to be a cost-saving strategy. Voltaire CD is the first study to demonstrate similar efficacy and safety of a biosimilar called BI695501 to adalimumab, which we know is an anti-TNF monoclonal antibody. I understand that there are some important differences between substituting a biosimilar for an originator biologic agent. So for example, if an insurance company requires a switch from adalimumab to BI695501, that making that kind of a switch is different compared to the more straightforward substitution of a cheaper generic version of a medication for a branded medication. That's right. I think that's an important distinction. So biologic are proteins that are produced through recombinant DNA technology in living organisms such as bacteria or yeast. Um, and post-translational modifications of these proteins occur within cell lines and can result in variations in the protein products that result. So this differs from non-biologic small molecule drugs, which are produced through inorganic and chemical syntheses. The, the final small molecule medications are always identical. Therefore, when there are competitive versions of small molecule medications that are produced by other companies, they're called generics and are really identical and equivalent to their original small molecule medication. However, since competitive versions of biologics aren't identical, mostly due to the post-translational changes, they're considered biosimilars as opposed to identical generic. However, biosimilars have to be highly similar to the original biologic agent with no significant clinical differences by regulatory authorities prior to approval. Now, I also understand that some biosimilars also have the designation of being interchangeable. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Right. So that's also an important concept. Interchangeability is an additional designation specifically for biosimilars, and it means that the biosimilar can be substituted for the original biologic agent, even without the approval of the prescribing physician. But in order for a biosimilar to be considered interchangeable, 
It first has to demonstrate identical clinical results as the original biologic agent in any given patient, and that switching between the original biologic and the biosimilar won't produce any additional risks or adverse events or increased immunogenicity or differences in pharmacokinetic. Currently, the biosimilar BI695501, which is also called adalimumab ADBM, it's the only adalimumab biosimilar that also has interchangeability status in the U.S. And they achieved that status largely because of the study which you summarized in this issue of EBGI, which is known by the acronym Voltaire CD. And let me just briefly review that for our listeners. Now, this was a phase three multi-center randomized double-blind study in 92 centers in 12 countries of 147 Crohn's disease patients who had moderate to severe activity based on the Crohn's disease activity index. And these were patients that were either naive to biologics or they had been on infliximab and had lost response to the infliximab or developed antibodies to infliximab. And so the patients were randomized to either get originator adalimumab, which we're all used to prescribing, or to BI695501. And they were treated for 24 weeks. And the primary outcome was clinical response, which really kind of means improvement in Crohn's disease symptoms. Specifically, it means a, a decrease of 70 points or more in Crohn's disease activity index. They also looked at achieving clinical remission, which means a much more substantial reduction in Crohn's disease activity index. And they did that at both week four and week 24. Essentially, they found no difference in clinical remission rate or clinical response rate at week four or week 24, whether you were on the originator adalimumab or the biosimilar BI695501. And one final thing that's really important is that all the patients were switched at week 24 to get the biosimilar agent. So even if you had been on the originator adalimumab for the first 24 weeks, at week 24, you got switched to the biosimilar and you stayed on that for another 22 weeks see if all of a sudden you would lose response. So following those patients through to week 46, they saw no loss in response in patients on adalimumab that got switched over to the biosimilar. For adverse events, they didn't show any difference in adverse events between the two agents and didn't see any signs of increased immunogenicity developing after the switch at week 24. Although again, this is still a relatively short study only going out to week 46. Based on that, are there any major points you think need to be re-emphasized? I think that the key points of the study are that BI695501, the biosimilar to adalimumab, had similar safety and efficacy to adalimumab for moderate to severe Crohn's, and this was measured by week four and week 24 clinical response and clinical remission. It's also important to note that patients who switched from the originator adalimumab to BI695501 at week 24 maintained the original treatment benefits of adalimumab through the end of the study. So I think the big question for our listeners is, what do you do in your own practice if an insurance company says we are 
requiring you or we want you to make the switch to a biosimilar for a patient with Crohn's disease who's been stable on adalimumab. So we commonly encountered this in our practice. So when there are pair-mandated switchers, switches from the original biologic to a biosimilar, while generally I try to keep patients on the originator, I don't often attempt to appeal a pair-mandated switch to a biosimilar, especially if that can delay therapy. Data from studies like Voltaire CD actually helped me provide reassurance to my patients who worry about losing response uh, during a treatment switch to a biosimilar. So I think it's important to really educate patients about what, you know, what the evidence is and what this switch really means so that they don't experience what's known as a nocebo effect, which is essentially a worsening of symptoms, but no worsening of the actual disease. And I think the you educated me that your clinical experience and the clinical experience of your colleagues is that your patients have done fine after this type of a switch. You're not seeing all of a sudden that patients do worse. That's right. In our experience with biosimilars for adalimumab and others, we have not observed any differences in, in clinical response. So, you know, I, I've been comfortable with the pair mandated switches. It's often the patients who are concerned uh, about the switch and it's our job to provide reassurance in these scenarios. Well, I think especially since this particular biosimilar BI695501 became available this summer and also has that interchangeability designation so that a switch can be made even without a, a formal approval from the prescribing physician. We've seen this kind of switch begin to happen more commonly. So hopefully our listeners can be reassured by your clinical experiences as well as your interpretation of this study. With that, thanks again for joining me today. For our listeners, please remember to subscribe to Evidence-Based GI on your favorite podcast platform, and please follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at ACG underscore EBGI, where we host tutorials of EBGI summaries every Wednesday. Please look for the blast email on October 18th with our new issue of EBGI. Mm -hmm.